Hi and welcome to this latest podcast from 1914-1918war.com. to I'm recording this on the 11th of November, or Armistice Day, so I thought today would be a good time to look at the Tomb of the Unknown Warrior. Everything you hold very vile is at stake. The idea of a national monument to commemorate those who were lost without trace in the war came to Reverend David Railton, a padre when he was serving on the Western Front in 1916. He was very much at the sharp end of the war, having received a military cross for saving two men and an officer whilst under fire. It was whilst serving on the Western Front near Armentieres that the seeds of the idea that were to turn into the unknown warrior were formed in his mind. Like all frontline padres, he would be a point of contact for relatives seeking information about those who were missing, believed killed. In response to these heartfelt letters, the only response allowed by the rules was to give a vague map reference. One night, as he returned to his billets from the front, Railton had an inspirational experience. In his own words, I came back from the line at dusk. We'd just laid to rest the mortal remains of a comrade. I went to a billet in front of Erkingham, near Armentier. At the back of the billet was a small garden, and in the small garden, only about six paces from the house, there was a grave. At the head of the grave, there stood a rough cross of white wood. On the cross was written in deep black pencilled letters, an unknown British soldier, and in brackets underneath, of the black watch. It was dusk and no one was near except some officers in the billet playing cards. I remember how still it was. Even the guns seemed to be resting, as if to give the gunners a chance to have their tea. Over the following years, the seed planted by seeing that grave was to develop within his mind. He thought that some form of commemoration for those who had gone missing would be of comfort to the relatives. After the war, he decided to take his idea forward. But who to talk to about his idea? He considered Field Marshal Haig, considered the King, maybe the newspapers. In the end, he wrote to the Right Reverend Bishop Herbert Ryle, who was the Dean of Westminster Abbey. He received a polite response from the Dean, not really committing to anything, but the Dean was taken with the idea and pursued it. On the 19th of October 1920, Railton received a response. Dear Mr Railton, the idea which you suggested to me in August, I have kept steadily in view ever since. I have been occupied actively upon it for the last two or three weeks. It has necessitated communication with the War Office, Prime Minister, Cabinet and Buckingham Palace. The announcement which the Prime Minister will or intends to make this afternoon will show how far the government is ready to cooperate. Once more, I express my warm acknowledgement and thanks for your letter. Yours sincerely, Herbert E. Ryle, Bishop. Further ideas emerged as the concept of the unknown warrior was discussed. Bishop Ryle suggested bringing French soil back with the body with which to fill the grave. He also agreed to Railton's suggestion that the flag that he had used when he was a padre could be used to cover the unknown warrior's coffin. This point was important to Railton, 
as he explained later in his own words. The flag which is now in the Abbey was used during the war at Holy Communion as a covering for the rough box or table altars. It was used at church parades and ceremonial parades. It was the covering, often the only covering, of the slain as their bodies were laid to rest. For all I know, it may have been used in Belgium or France when the actual unknown warrior was slain. For the unknown received exactly the same attention as the known. It is not a new bit of bunting, bought for the occasion, but a real symbol of every Briton's life. Indeed, it is literally tinged with the lifeblood of fellow Britons. Once the details were ironed out, a body was selected. Four British soldiers' bodies were exhumed from the four main battle areas, along the Aisne, the Somme, Arras and Ypres. On the 7th of November 1920, the four bodies were brought to a chapel at St Paul. The four bodies lay on stretchers with a Union flag draped over the top. And Brigadier General L.J. Wyatt, who was the general officer commanding British troops in France and Flanders, without knowing which body came from which area, selected one of the bodies to become the unknown warrior. The other three bodies were reburied. The selected body was placed into a plain coffin and sealed. The following morning, the chaplains of the Church of England Non-conformist churches and the Roman Catholic Church, serving with the army, held a service, and then the body was escorted to Boulogne for the night. At this point, the coffin was placed inside another specially made coffin, which came from two-inch thick oak, from a tree from Hampton Court Palace Garden, one of the royal palaces. The king had selected a 16th century crusader's sword from the Tower of London, and this was fastened to the coffin lid, within the wrought iron bands that bound the coffin. An inscription on the coffin read, A British warrior who fell in the Great War 1914-1918 to for king and country. The coffin was then escorted by a full French military parade and local schoolchildren to the waiting HMS Verdun, a destroyer. At the quayside, Marshal Foch saluted the unknown warrior as he left France. HMS Verdun completed the short trip across to Dover, where the unknown warrior received a 19-gun field marshal salute, and was then transported by train to Victoria Station, where the body stayed overnight. On the morning of the 11th of November, the unknown warrior was placed by a bearer party provided by the 3rd Battalion Coldstream Guards onto a gun carriage drawn by six black horses to Whitehall, and the cenotaph, which was unveiled by King George V. It's interesting to note that the cenotaph means empty tomb, and here we can see both sides of the missing being commemorated. The cenotaph with those who were never found, the unknown warrior with those who were found but never identified. The king laid a wreath of red roses and bay leaves on top of the coffin. Then, escorted by admirals, including Lord Beatty, field marshals, including Lord French and Lord Haig, and the Air Chief Marshal, Sir Hugh Trenchard, and followed by members of the Royal Family, the Unknown Warrior was drawn to Westminster Abbey. At the Abbey, a shortened burial service was held, before the coffin was carried into St George's Chapel, past an honour guard of a hundred holders of the Victoria Cross. Once in place, the Unknown Warrior's coffin rested in state. At each corner of the coffin, a member of the services stood, their heads bowed, rifles reversed, as an honour guard. At night, the vigil continued, 
illuminated only by a few candles. On the 18th of November, the unknown warrior was interred in the chapel, using a hundred sandbags of earth taken from the battlefields. A temporary stone was placed above the grave with the following inscription. A British warrior who fell in the Great War, 1914 to 1918, for king and country, greater love hath no man than this. The unknown warrior now forms a central part in the way that Britain commemorates its war dead. The following year, on behalf of the United States of America, General Pershing presented the Unknown Warrior with the Congressional Medal of Honour, America's highest honour, an honour that was to be reciprocated when Britain presented America's Unknown Warrior with the Victoria Cross. Also in 1921, the temporary stone above the grave was replaced with a black marble stone with the following inscription. Beneath this stone rests the body of a British warrior, unknown by name or rank, brought from France to lie among the most illustrious of the land and buried here on Armistice Day, 11th of November, 1920, in the presence of His Majesty King George V, his ministers of state, the chiefs of his forces and a vast concourse of the nation. Thus are commemorated the many multitudes who during the Great War of 1914 to 1918 gave the most that man can give, life itself, for God, for king and country, for loved ones, home and empire, for the sacred cause of justice and the freedom of the world. They buried him among kings, because he had done good toward God and toward his house. The concept of the unknown warrior is wider than Britain, though. France has its unknown warrior in the Arc de Triomphe, Belgium has interred an unknown warrior within its congressional column which celebrates the formation of the nation and its ideals. Germany's past is a little more troubled as the Nazi party adopted the concept of fallen warriors and tried to use it to their ends. However, Germany now has its memorial to the victims of fascism and militarism. The United States commemorates its missing dead at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier in Arlington National Cemetery in Virginia and has additionally interred other unknown warriors from other conflicts throughout its history. However decided or commemorated, the concept of the unknown soldier remains powerful. The respect with which these servicemen are held, whose families were never to know their fate, summed up by the elaborate rituals that surround their graves. An example of this, perhaps, is that of all the graves of kings, poets, scientists and warriors that are interred in Westminster Abbey, the only grave that may not be trodden upon is that of the unknown warrior. I do hope you found that podcast interesting and I'll look forward to you joining me in the future. Thanks for listening.